Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. We have a great podcast guest today, the very talented Larissa Lamb, music executive, music producer, uh, has been a CFO as well of a record label, producer, director. I know I'm missing something. Larissa, thank you for being our guest today. I'm so excited to be here today, Craig. And, you know, in my free time, I like to juggle. No, just kidding. I <laughs> not not literally juggle balls, but I do wear a lot of different hats. Um, and it's it's been a blessing, though, to be, be, be here. Well, thank you very much for for joining us. We don't get enough uh, female creatives and uh, it it's a blast to have you on. And we're intentional trying to have a nice mix of guests, including both men and women and ladies, to our uh, our podcast, Six Ways to Sunday podcast. Now, L- Larissa and I worked together almost 20 years ago uh, when she was, you know, minus three years of age. And we worked on a show uh, <laughs> called Top Three for JCTV, which later got uh, turned into a network called Juice TV. And you really had fun. I think you had a lot of fun being a host on that show, yeah? I did. We had a lot of really interesting guests. We had athletes, we had um, actors. One of one of my favorite interviews, and I don't remember if you were there during that time, was when Mr. T came on our show. Mm-hmm. And he is probably like a giant teddy bear. You know, he looks intimidating, but he was an absolute teddy bear. And I think he was the most selfless, I think, out of all our guests with his time. There you go. Um, he, I did not did not work with him on top three, but I did on the Praise the Lord program uh, in the green room. I would do promos with the different guests that were coming on. And he was actually very quiet, uh, which surprised me, at least my impression of him. Um, he would sit and I think it was because he was about to go on live TV and he was praying and just trying to get into, uh, and rightfully so, into the right frame of mind, both spiritually and mentally and such. He, I bet he was a good guest. And uh, inter- Is there anything about him when you were interviewing him, Larissa, that maybe surprised you? Well, he actually said he was a mama's boy. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily surprising, but it was, again, back to that tough exterior, what you see, some of the roles that he's played, right? Uh, being a boxer, being an A-team. And then he's like, I'm a mama's boy. <laughs> and and the other thing is, you know, he said, like, T, T stands for time. And and he he actually carved out his whole day when he came on our show. And and, and this happens a lot, like, with a lot of our guests. And, and again, it's not a knock on other guests because, you know, I have a busy schedule, you have a busy schedule, a lot of times you're going from one interview to like your next engagement or a meeting and he actually said like i carved out this whole day like just for you guys and so i was actually really surprised about that interesting interesting and when i saw him he didn't have any of the gold chains at all so i maybe he put those in the safe or the safety deposit box and all of that um now you grew up in the uh, eastern la area right on the edge of Orange County in Diamond yes. Bar, Diamond Bar. And I used to live in Brea, just right over the hill from you off the 57. We were neighbors. There we go. Did you see me waving as I drove by on the 57? <laughs> hello. Hello. 
What was it? What was it like uh, growing up there? Well, it's funny that you said waving because most people drive by Diamond Bar. Like, you, you know, unless you know somebody in Diamond Bar, there is really no reason to actually go to Diamond Bar. I would go to Brea where you were living a lot because there's a mall there. So there was mm -hmm. a lot of action and some really great restaurants. But yeah, Diamond Bar was very hilly. Um, I will say this. It was a very interesting upbringing that it 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 was at the time in more of an emerging emerging suburb. Um, now it's a little bit more established. We, we weren't even an incorporated city back when I was a kid. And I remember being one of only like a handful of Asians. And for those people that are listening, I'm I've of, I'm of Chinese descent. I was born in the United States, but I'm of Chinese descent. And so um, the demographics changed very drastically over the decades. In fact, now it's there's, there's a lot of um, Asian um, diaspora that are living there, um, Asian Americans, new Asian immigrants as well. Um, and so the demographic demographics have changed but my parents are still there. Now, were your parents and the family from Taiwan, from mainland China? How did that work? My parents were born in Shanghai, although my dad is actually Cantonese, for those that are a little bit more familiar with the different regions. Um, so he's actually from the southern China, but he, he his my great grandfather had had a business in Shanghai. And so um, my mom and my dad were uh, born in Shanghai, but left their families fled in 1949 to Hong Kong um, during the communist takeover. And then eventually in the 1960s, both my parents came to the United States um, as as uh, graduate students um seeking out a better life um and i was born here years later was was cantonese uh spoken in the home it was um cantonese was spoken at a home but i'll let on a little secret i actually didn't speak cantonese i could kind of understand it but i didn't really speak it until my parents took me back to hong kong and um, it was embarrassing because all my all my cousins um spoke cantonese and i remember going the first time and they were like make fun of me and talk behind my back because i knew i didn't completely understand everything because i was the quote unquote american one so i spent a summer with my cousins in hong kong and by the end of that summer i came home speaking Cantonese fluently. So immersion definitely works. Um, when you're around that language and are forced to speak it, um, you definitely adapt. Absolutely. I only know one phrase, but it's a good one. When someone gives you food, I know how to say mgoi. That's what I know how to say. <laughs> yeah. And they look at yes. me, oh, the Westerner knows how to say thank you. And they start laughing and they think it's cool. And I, that's all I know. But I realize <laughs> you can only say it when someone has provided a service to you, it's just not your your typical typical phrase and such. Now you, growing up in Diamond Bar, you went to UCLA, and I believe that um, you studied. I did uh, study business. Yes. I did study business. I was a business economics major. Go Bruins! Uh, and uh, although at the time I. I I, I definitely like economics and I like business, but I had already set my sights on going into the music industry specifically at that time. And um, I, I, went, I was a business economics major, one to kind of appease my parents because they thought I was crazy going into entertainment. They wanted me to be a doctor and I was brainwashed into thinking I'd be a doctor one day um, until I realized I did not like the sight of blood. And, ah, there you go. and when I was, <laughs> yeah, probably not a good doctor. And, you know, when I was at UCLA, um, I looked a bit at 
possibly being a music major, but I wasn't at the time, you know, it was more classical. They did have a jazz department, but it wasn't pop music, which is what I was more interested in. I was more interested in being a producer and on the business side. So um, I ended up doing business economics um, to also from a practical reason. And at the end of the day, the entertainment business is a business. And I think a lot of that serves has served me very well. There you go. Now, you get out of UCLA, and like any graduate, you need to get into a career in, in entertainment. Where did you look? How did that work out? Well, you know what? It was really, yeah, this is going to sound cliche, it was really a God thing. Um, God kind of put people in my life that um, helped me get my that first job because I really wasn't seeking it. Um, I had a friend from my church at the time. Um, he came up to me uh, after a Sunday service and was like, hey, you should meet my brother-in-law. And um, his brother-in-law turns out to, to have been a president of a record company. And so I took a meeting with him. Um, and long story short, a few months later, he calls me back up and offers me a job to be the, the record company's like financial controller. Cool. And I'll be honest, I actually turned the job down twice um, before I finally accepted in the third time because it was about an hour away from where I was living. Um, I actually moved back with my parents in Diamond Bar after graduation. And I, I didn't, you know, even though I got my business economics degree, I actually wasn't planning on using it in a real world setting. I think it was good for the knowledge. And I was still trying to pursue being a professional produ music producer and songwriter. Um, and so, you know, when, when people knock at your door more than once, you have to start like paying attention, right? So, sure. so I finally accepted the job. And so I worked, I ended up working at, um, a record label and, and soon not not too long after i had accepted the job i ended up becoming the chief financial officer of the record label and so um it's strange i i kind of started backwards in this business i started as a you know as a music executive um and then i ended up becoming an artist usually it's the other way around it's an artist that sort of works their way into a and r and all of that but you 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 went through one door and came out the other yeah, I, I kind of did. Although I did do internships when I was in college at different record companies. I worked at Columbia Records, uh, Polygon at Polygram, sorry, at that time, which is is no longer in existence. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked at recording studios. But certainly, my first full time paid job was um, as an executive. Which it was nice to start at the top. There was nowhere to go but down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, was how. How many artists were on the roster of that of that record label? And my other flip side to that question would be, how did the record company find new artists? I mean, go out and listen to them in clubs or listen to demo tapes? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, back in those days, I mean, this is about, let's see, late 90s, um, early 2000s. Um, the this is before YouTube, you know, this was a, a different era um, in terms of music discovery. We had about, I would say about 20 artists on our roster, um, you know, and we a lot of it was um, artists playing shows going to Christian music festivals. This was a Christian record label, by the way. And um, sometimes it was word of mouth, right? Like those were kind of the ways that we heard about artists at that time. Yes, we got people's demos and every once in a while somebody's demo um, would would kind of pop and someone would take a meeting. Um, I wasn't as involved with the ANR. Um, that was a different department. But um, certainly if I saw an artist that I thought like our our president or our other, you know, executives should check out. I, I definitely would say, 
here, this artist, they, they're, they, they need some love. Yeah. There you go. Now, how, how did it work? How did it work out that you would uh, then be a music talent? Did you, so, did you sign yourself to the label? How about that? <laughs> well, you know what? Almost, but uh, not exactly. So uh, there was a group on our record label called Nitro Praise, and and basically it was praise and worship music done to uh, what we call now as EDM. You know, it's techno house beats, which back then was like incredibly progressive. Um, and we they they had a lead singer that was about to go um, on tour, um, doing a major conference, and that singer dropped out. And so they turned to me in the office, um, believe it or not, and they knew I was a singer and they just said, hey, Larissa, do you want to go on this, you know, tour to fill in for the singer that dropped out? I said, sure, if you let me. And so they, yeah, you know, here, here you go. And I thought it was going to be a one-time fill-in thing. So I ended up singing with Nitro Praise on tour for like the next two years, recorded, I think, another couple albums with them while I was running the record company. So my nickname was the singing CFO. <laughs> Chief financial officer. Love it. Now, when, when you did tours, was it just USA? Did you go regions? Did you ever go overseas? How did that work? We mainly did the United States. Um, and um, I'm trying to think if we were, I, I don't believe we ever did go overseas. Um, and, you know, as it was traveling around the country was quite a bit because if I because remember, I was also full time this the, the chief financial officer of the record label. So there were days I remember this one week I, I, we, I was gone for like, I think, four days touring. And then I literally got got off the plane at like six in the morning. I took like a red eye and I like drove like straight to the office. <laughs> So um, those those were the days. Um, but that really was the beginning of kind of my music career. Um, and a lot of it is and I feel like this has been kind of the story of my life in terms of opportunities is a lot of times I wasn't necessarily looking for that opportunity. Maybe in the back of my mind, it was it was a desire and it was, you know, I had the skill set to do it, but it wasn't something I necessarily pursued um, aggressively. And yet it that door opened for me unexpectedly. I'm going to ask you about uh, documentaries and directing in a second, but I wanted to ask a personal question. You found a wonderful husband who goes by the uh, the stage name only one. Where yes. did you meet? How did you guys meet? Okay, so this is what's crazy about God and him kind of seeing things like in a longer range term than we do. So remember the record company I told you about. So so I sang with this group called Nitro Praise and there were four of us who were a part of this group. One of my group members, his name was Maximilian. Um, he also worked for the record label and was an artist on the label. He and I used to carpool. Now you're from LA, so you're gonna you're gonna understand this for, for those who are listening. So our record company was out in Chatsworth, which is like, which is about 60 miles Northwest of where Diamond Bar, my hometown, where I was living it as at the time. It's a very long distance. And so my my co-member um, of the band, Nitro Praise Max, co-worker, he lived in Pomona, which was the neighbor's neighbor sitting north of Diamond Bar, Brea, where you're where you were at, Craig was south, right? Mm -hmm. So we carpooled together to work. 
Now, here's where the story gets interesting. Years later, Max leaves the record company. I leave the record company. We go our separate ways. We're in touch. Fast forward, I don't know, this is maybe like 15 years later. Um, Maximilian ends up working with my husband, (laughs) my now husband, who I didn't know at the time, only one, um, because a friend of mine had told me about um, this, this, this rapper, this Christian rapper, he's a Chinese Christian rapper, do you know him? Um, And I didn't know who he was. And just from a pure, like, business sense, it's always good to meet another believer in the industry. It's also very rare to meet somebody who's also another person of Asian descent in the industry in America. So like I said, oh, yeah, it's just good to connect. So when I went to his website is when I discovered he worked with Maximilian, my old carpool buddy and bandmate. And so again, long story short, uh, a year later after I made contact with my my husband to say, hey, I know Maximilian, my husband brings us up to do some concerts and Maximilian plays matchmaker saying like, I think he likes you, but he doesn't think you're interested. And unbeknownst to me, he went to Max, uh, Max, Max went to my husband, only one, AKA Baldwin and said, I think she likes you. So it was like junior high and <laughs> here we are, we've been married for 15 years now. Um, so, but it's just crazy how, if I hadn't taken that job that I turned down twice, right, <laughs> right. at the record company, um, I would never have met Maximilian and years down the line, he would end up being the one that is the one that played matchmaker from my, my husband and myself. It was like dominoes, you know, you have to have at least the first one or two to fall before the rest fall after it. And here you are wonderfully married to uh, only one. And by the way, anyone that's listening, only one, her husband, uh, one is spelled W-O-N, like I won the lottery, only one. You can find him by typing that into Google or Bing, whatever. And Larissa, Larissa Lamb is L-A-R-I-S-S-A. Uh, L-A-M, and you can find her as well. Uh, So, Larissa, I would ask if people wanted to find you, it would be uh, at, would it be at Larissa Lamb Music, I think it is, or or where? Well, on on Instagram, I'm at Larissa Lamb Music, and on Twitter, slash x i'm at larisa lamb and and you can and you can find me on youtube at larisa lamb music yeah there's like apparently another larisa lamb out there or two so she's not as talented as you are so there great conversation with film director documentary director larisa lamb hope you join us on the other side at the next episode we'll pick up where we left off You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.